Welcome, and thank you for joining us on the City Point Church Sermon Podcast, where our desire is to help you find and follow Jesus. We are so glad that you are here, and wherever you are listening from, we believe that God has something in store for you through today's message. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, if you have a physical copy of God's Word, if you have a digital copy, turn it on. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there's, un, there's one underneath a chair rack nearby. Go ahead and grab that copy, pull it out. If you're using that particular copy of God's Word, 856 will get you right to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read that in just a moment, but before I do, I have a confession to make this morning. I am not really one for New Year's resolutions. Uh, now, if you are and you've, and, and you've written a whole bunch of them down, like, that's awesome. Go for it. But I have found that what's better for me, instead of resolutions, I have focused on rhythms. Because resolutions are often sensational where rhythms are sustainable. A resolution is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the Bible this year. And that's sensational, and that's big, and that's lofty, but a lot of times... You and I get to Leviticus and we get a little bogged down and sometimes we don't get quite as far as we would have hoped. So resolutions are sensational, but rhythms are sustainable. So maybe a better rhythm would be, I'm going to read the Bible five days a week. That's a rhythm. Five days a week. And if I don't get it, if I didn't get it last week, I'm going to recommit to that rhythm this week. Rather than being discouraged by the fact that I didn't read the Bible in a year, I'm just going to commit to a rhythm of consistency that is sustainable and watch as God uses those rhythms to bring life change. So this year, I believe God God wants to grow our church through healthy, sustainable, consistent rhythms. Acts chapter 2, we are going to see a glimpse, a snapshot into the earliest church, the very first church. And what we're going to see tucked away in this paragraph in Acts chapter 2 are some of the rhythms of the early church. And then what I'd like to do over the course of the next 30 minutes or so is speak to you as our church about the rhythms that we have that I believe are very similar to the rhythms of the early church. So let's see the rhythms. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, right toward the end of that chapter, we'll read down through the end of chapter 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe or fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We see here some of the rhythms of this early church. Nothing super sensational, folks. Just kind of average, regular, ordinary, systematic rhythms. But God began to show up and God began to move in that early church and change the course of history. If you're keeping notes, this is the big idea that sits over top of this text that we will unpack over the next several minutes. Forward spiritual movement is energized by regular discipleship rhythms. 
forward spiritual movement is energized by regular discipleship rhythms. Now that word regular, it's, it's not very exciting. It's a little bland, maybe even a little boring. <laughs> But, it, but that's where we begin to see life change, in the regular, in the systematic, in the continuation of these things over and over and over again. We live in a world that is obsessed with the immediate. Immediate results. I want it now. I want it my way and I want it now. Unfortunately, when we go for immediate, the results of what we get immediately are subpar. You know, you can microwave a steak it's not, but it's not going to be nearly as good as if you smoke it. You can get your steak about seven and a half minutes later. Done, sort of, if you consider that done. Or you can wait 45 minutes or 60 minutes or however long you want to smoke it to get that flavor that you want from that meat. Those immediate results are subpar. You guys remember Polaroid cameras? Anybody remember those? They, they, they were like big back in like the 80s and 90s. They're kind of making a comeback nowadays. But you remember those, those immediate results, that picture that would pop out of that Polaroid? There was something about them. They were always yellow and hazy and a little bit blurry, right? Kind of subpar results from that immediate photograph that spit out of that Polaroid machine. How about instant coffee? Yeah, it's not even coffee, is it? Like the results are subpar. I read about a guy on the internet. His name is Kirill Tureshin. <laughs> If you have the stomach for it, you can Google this, but he's a 25-year-old Russian ex-soldier, and he decided that he wanted immediate muscle mass, and he didn't want to take the time to go to the gym. So what he did is he pumped six liters of petroleum into his biceps, three in each bicep. So now he's got 24-inch biceps. I thought about putting a picture up there, but listen, I don't want to see it. The doctors finally convinced him that if he didn't remove the petroleum from his biceps that he would die. And so he went under actually three emergency surgeries to remove the petroleum because it had attached itself to his muscle and killed his muscle. So they had to remove the muscle and the, the petroleum from his bicep. And he at least admitted later that it was a stupid decision. We want immediate results. We want them fast. We want them now. Listen, I can't guarantee that you are going to see immediate spiritual results in your life this year. But I believe that as we commit, like this early church, to the regular, consistent rhythms of discipleship that God will bless and multiply, not just in our church, but in your life personally. Do you ever find that your life is lacking spiritual results? You ever get disappointed in your own self where you're like, man, I set some resolutions. I was going to read my Bible. I was going to go to church. I was going to get involved in community. I was going to see all of these things in my life change, but then it just seems to fall flat on its face year after year. And maybe that gets you discouraged or disheartened. Listen, friend, maybe you've been pursuing the sensational when you need to be pursuing the sustainable. You're looking for resolutions instead of focusing on the rhythms that bring quality life change. So this morning, we're going to look at this early church, and we want to see what are these rhythms. Because forward spiritual movement is energized by regular discipleship rhythms. So what are the rhythms? We're going to see it right here in the text, and we're going to make application in our lives. Rhythms of discipleship. What are they? Number one, if you're writing some things down, we worship in Sunday services. 
we worship in Sunday services. It's right in the text, verse 42, verses 42 and 43. Look at it there with me. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Listen, it's not overly sensational here. Uh, the early church was not being featured by Christianity today for their programs and their pragmatism and all the wonderful things that they were implementing. It was just regular and consistent gathering together. And what were they doing? Four things. They were continuing in the apostles' teaching, in the fellowship, in breaking bread, and in prayers. That's it. And they just committed to that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And God blessed. So what are these things? Well, the apostles' teaching. What is that? We see that throughout the book of Acts. The apostles' teaching was the understanding and the application of the gospel. The gospel in the book of Acts was brand new. Those of us who've been around church, we know the gospel means the good news. If you're newer to Christianity or if you're not yet a Christian, the gospel is the good news that men and women can be made right with God through the finished work of Jesus. Not through our own efforts, not through our own work, and not through our own religiosity, but through Christ. That is the gospel. It is good news. If I had to work for it, if I had to earn it, it would be bad news. But it's good news because it's a gift. That's the gospel. But understand, in the book of Acts, that was brand new. Never before had man related to God through the gospel. Before the resurrection of Christ, man related to God through the law, through his deeds, through his work, through his effort. And now Jesus changed all of that and gave us a brand new covenant. And now God does all of the work for us, and so we enter into that covenant relationship with God through the finished work of Jesus. But what does that mean? That's the apostles' teachings. They were, they were explaining the gospel. They were unpacking the gospel. They were applying that new way of relating to God to that early church. And don't you know that that's what we're doing every single Sunday when we gather? We want to understand the gospel. We want to apply the gospel. We want to live differently because of the finished work of Jesus. So it was the apostles' teaching, and then it was fellowship. We looked at that word a lot in the book of Philippians. The word fellowship means partnering in and around the person and work of Jesus. So the early church, they were just doing mission together. They were doing life together. They were doing Christianity together. They were, they were fellowshipping. They, they were coming together, and their, their unity with each other was because of what Christ had accomplished for them. Fellowship. And then the text says they were, they were coming together for the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread. Well, what is that? Well, the context of this verse would help us to understand that that is specifically speaking of communion. And if you were to read this in the original language, there, there, is, uh, there is an additional word, the word the, before bread. So it's the breaking of the bread. It's a specific bread that's being spoken of here. So they were continuing in the ordinances, the memorial pieces that Christ had given to the church as a matter of fact, if you go one verse before this in verse 41, you'll see that they're baptizing. And so they're baptizing and they're breaking the bread, they're having communion, they're remembering the work of Christ. And then number four, it's the prayers. They're, they're petitioning God, believing God, speaking to God. And what does God do as they just continue in the systematic gathering together of the people of God? God shows up. Look at verse 43. I love this. I love this. They did the sustainable. God did the sensational. Verse 43. And awe came upon every soul. 
And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. That idea of the awe, the fear, the reverence of God, just the weight of God's presence was felt among the people. God was in the room. And not only was his presence in the room, but he was doing the supernatural things that only God can do. The second phrase that says that many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. God was allowing those apostles to do supernatural things. God was showing up. Listen, church, we need God to show up on Sundays. It is not enough for us just to come together and to have a social club and to do some things together with each other. We want God to be in the room, working in our midst, changing our lives. It's what he did in the early church. I heard a quote this week that just wrecked me in a good way. This was the quote. A good sermon isn't powerful if the spirit doesn't move. Good worship isn't powerful if the spirit doesn't move. In other words, if I, can, I can craft the world's best message. Our team can put together the world's best set list of music. We can have all the vibes we can have all the energy in the room and all the applause and all the clapping and all the enthusiasm, but if the Spirit of God is not moving among His people, we have wasted our time. We are not just looking to create something here that can be explained through human means and by human achievement and by human effort. We want the very awe and the presence of God to be at work among us and for Him to be doing the supernatural life change that only he can do. Churches cannot try to manipulate and create the supernatural. And some of them do. They try to manufacture and contrive decisions and atmosphere and staging displays of the supernatural. Listen, we are not interested in that. Contriving something. But we are interested in God meeting with us. So here's my challenge to you this morning, church family. And really my challenge to you this year in 2023, be in the room. Be in the room. There is nothing uniquely special about the brick and mortar and the drywall that makes up this particular room. There are other buildings in the city of Tempe that have similar brick and mortar and drywall. But what happens on the inside, when God's people gather, and when the Spirit of God moves in us, Determine to be here. God wants to work in your life this year. I believe that. Verse, 20, verse 42 says, they devoted themselves. There was this corporate commitment. There was a devotion that they were committing themselves to. God, we're going to be there. God, we're going to be engaged in this. And as they committed to the devotion, God was able to do the supernatural. Our target each week is that we would have in this room a high-impact worship service. High impact, where God is working and where God is moving. So what, what do we believe helps to, helps to create that in our midst? Well, we are here to vertically worship Jesus. It's all about Jesus here. It's not about some man. It's not about some program. It's not about some denominationalism. It's all about Jesus. We want to lift him high. We want to lift him up. We want to worship and exalt him. And we believe that life change comes through that. We also want to see in this room an authentic environment of family and relationships. That this would truly feel like a place to belong. And then beyond that, we have committed to the systematic, convictional, unapologetic preaching of the Bible. 
City Point Church takes a very specific, intentional approach to the Word. We take books of the Bible, we break them down by paragraphs, and then every single week we take a paragraph and we go line by line through that paragraph. Last year we studied together 1 John, and we saw the assurance and the confidence that is ours because of Christ. Then we studied the book of Philippians, what it looks like to live life like Jesus when everything centers on Jesus in our life. Next Sunday, we're going to start another book. That's our rhythm. That's what we do. So next Sunday, we're going to begin in the book of James. Here's what I want to encourage our church family to do. We did something a little different this year. We have purchased 100 of these scripture journals. If you've never seen one of these scripture journals, this entire book is the book of James. On one side is the text, and on the other side are blank lines for notes. So what I'd like to encourage our church family to do after the service today, these are available. We've purchased these in bulk, and we're going to pass that discount along to you, $5 for one of these. But here's what I want to encourage our church family to do. Pick up one of these scripture journals and bring it every single Sunday for the next 21 weeks. Because 21 messages, 21 paragraphs from the book of James, right from the text, right to your life. And here's what I hope will happen. 22 weeks from now, I hope that there will be 100 or 150 folks that would have one of these scripture journals and written on the side of the page with all the blank lines or all the ways that the Spirit of God spoke to you through his text. And that life change would come as we engage week after week with the scriptures. So these are available for you right after the service. Pick one up, $5. That'll cover the cost of that. We're just passing that discount along to you. But I believe that life change comes through the word of God. Growing up, I was raised in a Christian home, but my parents were not. My parents are first-generation Christians. So when, when they trusted Christ, they were in their 20s. They were young adults. They were single at the time. Then they started to go to a church in Fairless Hills, Pennsylvania. And then they met each other at that church. Then they got married at that church. Then a family came along in that church, and that's where I come onto the scene. So I grew up going to church. Honestly, didn't really have much of a choice, even if I wanted to have a choice. I wasn't given one. And so I remember some of my earliest memories as a child are at 1515 Worcester Road in Fairless Hills, Pennsylvania at Faith Baptist Church. And back on the East Coast, they have these prefab church buildings. We would, you could go around town and you'd see different churches and they looked just like our church, but, but it was a different church because they followed the same blueprints. And all those blueprints were the same. There was a building, there was a sanctuary on top, and then there was a basement where all the kids met on the bottom. And so I spent the majority of my childhood on Sundays in that basement. And we had children's church down there, and we had nursery down there, and that was just kind of all that I've ever known. And as I think back on my childhood, as I think back on my life, I don't really look at one moment in particular, even a series of moments that really stand out as some sensational experience week after week after week after week. But what I do recall is that my parents made the decision just to be in that rhythm, to bring me to church. And it wasn't super sensational, but it was sustainable and it was life-changing. That because they made the decision in, in their 20s to bring their family to church, that week after week after week after week, I am now a second-generation Christian. And I am who I am today because they made that commitment way back then. Now, some of you in this room are first-generation Christians. You've recently come to faith in Christ. And it's hard, and it's not always easy, and there's all kinds of excuses. 
And, and a lot of times they're legitimate excuses, but I want to encourage you this morning, be in the room. God wants to change your life this year, not in one sitting, but in sitting after sitting after sitting after sitting after sitting. For the dads here today, I want to talk to the dads real quick. Dads, lead your families to church. Bring your family to church. Be in the room. Single moms, it's a little more challenging for you. You've got your hands full. But make the decision that you're going to be in the room. Those of you whose kids are, are grown, may, maybe you could love on some of these single moms a little bit or some of these young families a little bit and just encourage them as you see them walking in the front door wrangling some of those kids. It's not easy. You remember what it was like. To the single adults in the room or to the, to the professionals in the room, you, you may not have a family. It's just you and you've got every excuse in the world not to be here. But let me encourage you, be in the room. Make this year the year when you're going to be here because God wants to work. We're, we're just committing to the apostles' teaching. We're committing to the fellowship. We're committing to the breaking of the bread and the remembering of the ordinances. We're committing to the prayer and these things in and of themselves. We look at them and they don't seem very glamorous and they don't seem very life-changing, but when you do them week after week after week after week, God does something in your life. So that's what we're committing to this year. We worship in Sunday services. Number two, what's the second rhythm? The second rhythm is this. We serve on City Point teams. We serve on City Point teams. You say, I don't see City Point teams in the text. Okay, let me show it to you. I'm going to show you our version of City Point teams in the early church. Here it is. Verse 44. And all who believed, meaning they put faith in Jesus, they were Christians, they were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So each person was using their unique gifts, their unique skills, their unique resources to serve each other and to further the mission of God in that very first church. And there were two characteristics that permeated the culture of this early church right there in the text. They were selling their possessions. That's what I would call all-in ownership. No renters here. They're owners. They were, sell, they were taking their own possessions and selling them to meet the needs of each other. So it was all in ownership. And then the second characteristic is that they were meeting real needs. Like real, tangible, everyday needs. They were selling things to meet the needs of that church. Now you've got to understand the context of what's going on here. Because when you understand the context, you'll understand why there were real needs. So back then in, in the early church, that society was built on the family. It was a traditional, patriarchal, honor-shame culture. And so because of that society and because of that culture, life was sustained through the family. Uh, dads would pass on the business to the sons. Girls would help the moms with the, with, the, with the needs in the home, and then she would continue that in her own home. That's just kind of, the whole society was built in and around the family. And so when the gospel came along and people were putting faith in Jesus, and others in the same family were not putting faith in Jesus, that gospel caused some division in that family. By the way, Jesus predicted that would happen. And so those who were following Jesus were actually having to leave their family and in many cases were being disowned and shamed by their family because they were following the way of Jesus. And so now a new family was forming called the church. And so those who were maybe disowned 
by their biological families were now being brought into their spiritual families, and those spiritual families were becoming, in a very real sense, their family. And so the, the, the real needs that they had were being met by that congregation. Today's different. Our context is different. But our hearts should be the same. And so those who serve at City Point Church in any capacity on one of our serving teams, listen, you are helping love those who call City Point home, and you are also helping to welcome those who might be newer among us. So this is what you would call biblical hospitality. Some people want to look at Acts chapter 2 and say, look, there's socialism. No, (laughs) it's hospitality. It's everybody loving on one another. Modern hospitality is all about perfection. It's all about getting your meal off Pinterest and having that Instagrammable post and all the vibes in your house and all of that, just getting everything just right. That's kind of modern, the modern idea of hospitality. Don't put that kind of pressure on yourself. Hospitality is just making yourself available, making your home a place where people are welcome, making the church a place where outsiders can become insiders. That's hospitality. And in antiquity, hospitality was, a, was a, a prime virtue and a value. But God took what was already a value of the culture of that day and he elevated it even more. I want to show you a text in Deuteronomy 10, verse 17. The Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Look at verse 19. Love the sojourner. Therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. What God is doing is he's reminding them of their past. You used to be an outsider, God's saying, and I made you an insider. And now it's your job to find more outsiders Create an environment and a space and a place and a culture amongst your people that allows them to become insiders. Timothy Keller, who's a pastor in New York, said it this way about hospitality. He said, hospitality is an attitude of heart and a practice that seeks to turn strangers into guests, friends, and eventually brothers and sisters. It goes after the new. It goes after new people to make them feel welcome. It especially goes after people that the world excludes. So let me ask you this question this morning. How, how is God using you to help make, make City Point Church feel like home? How is God using you in your unique giftings, in your unique skill sets, and even in the way that the Spirit of God has gifted you, through your resources, through your finances, how is God using you to help create a spirit of hospitality here. Why? Not just so that we can have a fun environment to come to, but so that we can help outsiders feel like insiders. So that the least of these can feel like they are one of us. That's really what our City Point teams do every single week. You say, how do they do that? What does hospitality look like on any given Sunday morning here at City Point Church? Well, it looks like a greeter out at the parking lot welcoming somebody who's walking up from the parking lot for the first time from their car. It looks like somebody holding a door open to make somebody feel welcome. It looks like somebody welcoming a, uh, checking in a child in our City Point Kids Ministry or helping a parent who maybe is a newer parent and a little nervous about dropping off their little kiddo and helping them feel relieved about the safe and secure environment that we have for our City Point kids so that they're willing to do that. And then loving on that kid so that kid wants to come back next week. 
It looks like somebody in the sound booth advancing slides so that we can all corporately worship together or moving some dials on a soundboard so that there's a distraction-free zone. Hospitality at City Point Church looks like a preacher getting up and preparing a sermon and looks like a team getting up and preparing a set list so that we can all corporately engage with what God has for us. Hospitality. An environment where all are feeling welcome and all feel like they are at home. But you know, hospitality doesn't just happen at 1001 East Southern Avenue on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Hospitality should be happening in and through the body life of our church and your life individually throughout the week. What does that look like? Well, that might look like somebody opening up their home for a life group. That might look like one of you sitting down with a newer Christian at a coffee shop sometime this week and just hearing about how they came to faith in Jesus. Or maybe sitting down with somebody who's not yet a follower of Jesus and sharing with them what it means to know Jesus and have that free gift of salvation. It looks like our church being the kind of a church that's just a welcoming environment where we are not focused primarily on ourselves, but we are first and foremost focused on others. That's what hospitality looks like both in the auditorium here and throughout the week. That we would be the kind of church that's not just doing church on Sundays and not just committed to life on life on Sundays, but also every day of the week. It was an all-in commitment to one another with a passion to meet real needs. It was a gospel family. And that's what we desire to see through those who serve here at City Point Church. So you might be here thinking, okay, John, how do I figure out what my next step is? I want to get engaged in helping to create an environment of hospitality here at City Point Church. Well, it's Forward Sunday, so we want to give you that opportunity to move forward. This would be your next step. Next Sunday... I will be hosting what we call our Consider Meeting. You'll want to be in that meeting. Come to that meeting. Learn about opportunities to be involved. Learn about opportunities to connect. Learn about opportunities to get connected. If you've already come to that and you're eager to, 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 to keep moving forward with your next step, stop by the Next Steps desk in the lobby. We want to engage with you. We want to help you to take that next step. Rhythms of discipleship. We worship in Sunday services. We serve on City Point teams. Number three, and finally here this morning, we grow through engaged discipleship. We grow through engaged discipleship. Not some discipleship that just sort of happens through osmosis just because we're sort of hovering around, but, but discipleship that happens because we are fully integrated in and we are fully engaged. Look at verse 46 of our text. It says, and day by day, Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Now, if you are looking for a scriptural support for a progressive dinner, here it is, okay? Every single day from house to house, they were in the temple, then they were going to homes, they were eating meals, they were going to the next home, eating a meal, going to the next home, eating a meal. But it wasn't just about the food, it was about going deeper in their understanding of that gospel and of their relationship with God. Now again, context informed this practice. Everyone was a brand new Christian. Nobody was like a seasoned follower of Jesus. The most seasoned follower of Jesus had been following him for three and a half years, which is still relatively new. Everybody was just figuring it out. So everyone was a brand new Christian and nobody had a Bible. 
Nobody had what you and I have. Nobody could go to the back and get a scripture journal and come next week and kind of take notes as Peter was preaching and those sort of things. No, nobody had a physical copy of God's word. So what they would do is they would go to the temple. Why? That's where the scriptures were. That's where the scrolls were. So they would go to the temple. Somebody would read the scrolls and they would go back to homes and they would go deeper into it. And they would just do that day after day after day after day. Again, the context, they lived much more close to each other. They had a little bit more margin in their schedules than you and I might have today. And so it allowed them to do some of those things a little more regularly. So their context informed that particular practice. So here's my question. Well, how do we engage discipleship here at City Point Church in our context? You see, methods are allowed to change as contexts change. I grew up, as I said, in that old church basement. And you know what we did? Sunday school. Flannel graphs? Anybody? Listen, the Spirit of God moves through flannel graphs. Overhead projectors, right? I grew up with those things. Sunday school. I, I, as a teenager, I went to teen Sunday school. As an adult, I went to adult Sunday school. That was the method that allowed in the context of that day for us to do discipleship. City Point Church, we don't do Sunday school. But we do do discipleship. Our method has changed, but the goal is the same. So how do we do discipleship here at City Point Church? We do it through two rhythms. I'm going to give you two for the price of one here under this third point. Two rhythms that allow us to engage. The first is we live in groups, and the second is we learn in studies. We live in groups. Just like the early church was going to homes with food, engaging with the scriptures, we go to homes Oftentimes we have food, always we have coffee, and we engage with the scriptures. We want to go deeper in an understanding of who God is and what he desires for our life. So these small groups, they're sermon-based discussion. So it's, it's the quality over the quantity. We're taking the message, we're taking the text from Sunday's sermon, and we are now going into a home on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, on a Monday. We're going deeper. We've got a set of questions and a study guide. We're engaging and we're making application. Those are our life groups. The purpose of these is to apply the Word of God in the context of relationships. If you've ever thought to yourself, man, I would really love to get to know some people a little bit better. I'd really love to develop some deeper relationships. Life groups for you. If you've ever thought, man, I've got some questions about what that guy up on the stage said on Sunday. Life groups are for you. If you've ever thought, I wonder what this Christian life is really all about, like on my Monday morning. Life groups are for you. Our desire is that every adult who comes to City Point Church would be involved in a life group. We're serious about this. We're just as devoted to this as the early church was devoted in verse 42. We want to see you engaging with the scripture and going deeper into your understanding of Jesus. If you're a brand new Christian, we want you to get into a life group. If you're a seasoned Christian and you've known Jesus for a long time, we want you to get into a life group. Every once in a while, I've got seasoned older Christians and like, and I go to these life groups and I don't really get anything out of it. You're missing the point. It's not just about what you get from a life group, but what you also contribute to that life group. The very fact that you are a seasoned Christian means we need you in the life group. We need you pouring into other people with your wisdom and your understanding of the scriptures and your relationship with Jesus. So whether you're a new Christian or an older Christian or you're not even a Christian at all, get involved in a life group. We're relaunching these today. As a matter of fact, sign-ups open right now. They're open right now. So you can get signed up. And those of you who've been coming to City Point Church, you know this, but we go to cpconnect.me. 
You can go to that website. You can get signed up for a life group. We've got nine of them that we are offering. We're trying to make them as accessible and convenient for you as possible with different schedules and different contexts. So they're all throughout the week in different homes or in different parts of the East Valley, again, to make it accessible to you. But uh, even if you've already been involved in a life group, we're asking everybody to sign back up. Maybe your life stage or life circumstances have changed a little bit and you want to jump into a different life group in a different part of town or in a different night of the week, you're welcome to do that. But get signed up for those life groups. That's how we go deeper. The second rhythm, as I mentioned a moment ago, is that we learn in studies. Now studies are different from life groups. Studies, we're going deeper. Studies, we're taking a book of the Bible or a theological topic. We have two different semesters of studies this year. One is going to be uh, in April. The other is going to be in November. Now just so you understand kind of the rhythm of the calendar for us as a church family. We have somewhere around 12 weeks that we do life groups. Then we do about four or five weeks of a study. Then we take a break. Then we re-engage again. We do about 12 weeks of life group. Then we do about four or five weeks of a study. Then we take a break. That's our calendar rhythm throughout the year. We want everybody to be engaged in discipleship so that we can go deeper. We can get into the Word. We can develop relationships together so that this can become more than just a Sunday morning thing. Understand this. Sundays are not enough. It's not enough for the full spiritual development that God desires in our lives, for every single one of us. And so if you've been coming on Sundays, but that's been the extent of it, let me encourage you, go deeper. Engage into the discipleship rhythms of City Point Church. Life on life. When is the last time another Christian sharpened your understanding of Jesus? Understand that really even Jesus modeled more discipleship around a table with food than behind a lectern with notes. The lessons that were being learned, the teachings that were being given in the life of Jesus were more in the informal settings than the formal settings. He did both, but he did more of one than the other. And so we need to engage those informal settings outside of our Sundays where we are going down deep into the Word. Maybe the lack of results that you've seen in your own spiritual life are because you have not been engaged in discipleship. And so this could be the year for you to do that. This past week, our family, we've got what are called pogo passes. You guys know what those pogo passes are? It's kind of like a city pass. You can go around and do different events, and it's all covered under this pass. And it's like you can do a water park or one of those jump houses, or you can go to a Diamondbacks game. So we've got this pogo pass, and it allows us to do all those things. So kids are going back to school on, I think, Wednesday. So we were thinking, before Wednesday, let's go do one more of those events on that Pogo Pass. So we went to Uptown Jungle. It's one of those trampoline parks. You can go in there. And I thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to earn some dad points, and I'm going to get those no-slip socks on, and I'm going to go jumping around with my kids in the jump park. I think I was, the, I was the only adult in there doing that with the kids. All the other adults were on their phones or reading a book or doing something else. But I'm like, you know what, I'm going to engage in this activity with my kids. They had one of those oversized play areas. You know what I'm talking about? Kind of like McDonald's used to have. Maybe they still do. I don't know if they do anymore. Chick-fil-A still has them. But those oversized play areas. So, I, so I'm in one of those play areas with my four-year-old. And I'm running around, you know, and I'm going down the little slides, and I'm doing all the stuff with my kid. And I, I was in there about five minutes. My back starts to hurt a little bit. My neck, I got a little crick in my neck. And I realized to myself, this place was not created 
for full-size adults. You know, this, this, this place was created for like four-foot growing adults who have not yet fully matured yet. And can I just say to you this morning that church was not made for full-size Christians. Those who've got it all figured out, who are fully grown, it was made for those four-foot, still-growing Christians who've got some areas that need improvement, who've got some areas where we just we, we keep messing up and falling down, but we're going to get back up and we need accountability from somebody else. Church was made for Christians who still have questions, who still have doubts, who still have insecurities, who still aren't quite sure what it's all about. That's what church was made for, the little ones. And can we just be honest with ourselves? We're all the four-foot Christians. Let's stop lying to ourselves that we're fully grown and we've got it all figured out and we don't need this stuff anymore. Every single one of us need to engage in discipleship so that we can continue to see growth. And by the way, we grow the rest of our lives. We never get to that point where we're fully grown. And I'm thankful that God is patient with us in that process. So these were just sustainable rhythms of the early church. They were continuing every day, gathering. They were going into homes. They were serving one another. They were loving on one, one another. They were doing it time and time and time and time again. And what did it produce? Well, look at the end of verse 47. We'll be done here. This is so cool. I love this. End of verse 47. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So they were just continue, continuing in the rhythms Week after week after week after week, and God shows up, and God changes lives, and God redeems the lost, and God awakens the dead, and God brings people back to life and gives them eternal salvation. That's what God does. And I just believe, church, as we continue this year in the sustainable, healthy rhythms that, that really make City Point Church what it is, that we will continue to see God adding to the church, not just numerically, but also spiritually. That we would continue to see growth and life change and transformation on a God-sized level. Not something that we're manipulating and contriving, but something that He is doing. So here it is. Forward spiritual movement is energized by regular discipleship rhythms. That's the big idea. I can't promise you immediate results. I can't promise you a good steak in seven minutes. But I can promise that over time, systematically, God is going to continue to change in your life and do things in your life that only He can do. We worship in Sunday services. Be in the room. We serve on City Point teams, creating a spirit of hospitality. And we grow through engaged discipleship because none of us are fully grown. So we continue to engage. We want to learn to live this morning. Every week I ask a series of questions. I'm going to keep it super simple and super easy this morning. I have one question for you. One question as we learn to live. And it's this. What is your next step? Take it. Identify the next step. And then take it. Maybe you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus. You've not yet put faith in Christ. Can I tell you that your next step is that? Salvation is a present tense now decision. It's never a future. 
It's never tomorrow is the day of salvation. It is today is the day of salvation. And if you are here and you've not yet put faith in Jesus, I don't know what questions you still have, what doubts you still have, but listen, you can come to Jesus with all those things. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be all cleaned up. Come to Jesus and he will save you and he will forgive you and you will enjoy the good news of that gospel forgiveness. So if you're here today and you've not put faith in Jesus, that's your next step. Take it. If you are a Christian and you've been maybe a little hit and miss on Sundays and you haven't really kind of gotten into that rhythm, let that be your next step. Just get into the weekly rhythm. Be in the room. Bring your family. Do what you need to do on Saturday nights to make Sunday mornings successful. If you're here and you've been coming for a while, but you've just not really connected, maybe your next step is a life group. Maybe your next step is coming to that consider meeting, getting getting onto a team and using the gifts and the abilities that God has given to you to help create a spirit of hospitality here at City Point Church. Whatever your next step is, identify it and then take it. It might not seem super sensational, that next step to you. But I can promise you, as we continue to take steps in this new year, we will look back at the end of this year and we will see the progress that God has made in our lives. So let's just continue. The Christian life was designed to be lived in one direction, and it is the direction forward. So let's move forward in 2023. Can we pray together? Father, we thank you for these moments that we've had around your word. I thank you for the context of Acts chapter 2 that really helps to inform even our context today. Lord, I pray that whatever decision needs to be made here today in this room, that your spirit is already at work in the lives of people. That if there would be one or even two here that have not yet put faith in Jesus and in Jesus alone, I pray that they would by faith trust you. If there's somebody here that needs to take that step of just committing, hey, I'm going to be there every Sunday, or I'm going to get involved, or I'm going I'm to join a life group, I'm going to take that step. It's a little intimidating, but they're going to do it. I pray that you would give them the strength to do that. And as each one of us individually move forward this year, I believe that we will take large steps forward as a church in reaching our city and in seeing the transformative power of of the gospel on the move in our midst. God, we'll thank you for what you can do. We're trusting you and you alone to do it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. To find out more about City Point Church, visit us online at citypointaz.com. You can also find us on social media at citypointaz. Be sure to leave a review, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends. Now from us here at City Point Church, go seeking to live on mission for the glory of God with this truth stamped over your life that you are loved.